Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I'm so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact. They're inspired inspiring and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. For ongoing inspiration and support to get clear on your impact and put it into action, enter your name and email at workalchemy.com. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Danielle Da Silva. Danielle is an acclaimed photographer, director, and speaker whose main focus is storytelling to empower people around the world to solve the most challenging problems. She is founder and chief manifester of Photographers Without Borders, which empowers grassroots NGOs and initiatives by connecting them with volunteer photographers and videographers. Danielle is also co-founder of the Sumatran Wildlife Sanctuary and sits on the board of Toronto's Dandelion Coalition for Sexual Assault Survivors and Their Allies. Danielle's research and experience have led her to believe that we cannot tackle such problems as climate change and conservation effectively without remembering the needs and motivations of people. As a result, she's become an avid student and teacher in the world of campaign psychology, including at the London School of Economics, where she researched the psychology of climate change messaging. Danielle has worked with hundreds of NGOs, traveled to over 60 countries, and has images published by National Geographic, the United Nations, The Economist, and the book Cities, Slums, and Gender in the Global South, Towards a Feminized Urban Future, among others. Danielle's proudest cinematography achievement to date is having Sir David Attenborough narrate over her footage of Sumatra and Sumatran orangutans for the prestigious Whitley Awards. So welcome to the podcast, Danielle. I'm so delighted to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm delighted to be here. So what is it that drew you to this work and particularly this global work that you're doing now? Um, It's a bit of a concoction. So I loved painting growing up. Uh, My mom had always been an amazing artist and photographer. So she taught me when I was really young. And my dad got me my first camera. Um, So... At the same time, I started volunteering at home and abroad when I was really young, and I always took my camera everywhere that I went. So um, after a trip I took to Honduras, I developed the photos. It was a manual camera that my dad had given me, and I found a new way that I wanted to create art. It was faster than painting and also elements of science and technology that I really found to be like the perfect combination. So photographs just are like paintings, but they make you feel like nothing else because the moments are real and you can look it can look like a dream but at the same time it's recording evidence which is really just has always been amazing to someone who's nostalgic like me sometimes um (laughs) wants to remember the past through photos so um but I didn't really take it seriously until I was much older uh I went to India on a volunteer trip I was studying international development at the time and uh, I wanted to capture the work that I was t- I was doing, but I didn't do it in any serious fashion. 
But the project that I was working on worked with uh, Dalit people in India, and it was an organization that was giving them free health care and education. So that's an issue that personally rocks me to my core. And so I got very, very involved. And when I finished the project, I wanted to have a continuous connection. So my goal was to uh, raise money to help build small schools in some of the villages that they were working in. And when I came home, I found that no matter what I talked about, um, it didn't really didn't really hit home. I found that all I had to do was show people photos, and they really got it right away. And so, uh, just after that, I um, it really hit me. So I registered Photographers Without Borders um, because I, I had been wanting to get into sustainable development, international development work, and had been doing lots of volunteer work in that area. But um, I kind of started realizing that art, art and photography. Um, could make a big difference uh, for some of the organizations and some of the issues that I wanted to work on. Um, I graduated with degrees in conservation biology, psychology, and global studies um, in my undergraduate, and then went on to study sustainable development at the London School of Economics for my master's. So it just that just reflects my interest in a variety of issues. And so this kind of work is a no-brainer for me. <laughs> well, it sounds like you've uh, always had this desire to have impact, to be an agent of positive change. And it sounds like Photographers Without Borders is really uh, is really doing that. How, how are you seeing that unfolding? Um, I, I definitely uh, agree with that. I was always very curious as a child, and that curiosity has followed me. Um, to where I am now. Um, how do I see Photographers Without Borders unfolding? Is that the question? Yeah, I mean, I, I was just interested in exploring how you got into this work and, and how you see it. Um, how do you see Photographers Without Borders as a, um, an agent of change or a way for uh, people to make a positive contribution? Right. So we are giving photographers and uh, videographers now as well um, a chance to really give back with their work. I found, at least with myself, like as soon as I got into photography as a profession, um, suddenly, you know, it became it became very tedious and it became, um, you know, very difficult to break into the industry and to make money. I had to just shoot things that maybe I didn't necessarily want to shoot. And so, um, you know, getting into fashion, getting into beauty, it kind of takes you away took me away from, you know, why I got into photography in the first place. And so I think what we do that's unique is that we are able to match volunteer photographer and videographers to grassroots initiatives that really, really need the help. So we work with organizations that are either geograph have geographical barriers, um, income barriers, um, and maybe just like cannot access um, great photographers who are willing to work within their budget or for free. And so um, I think that that's really it's fitting a, a niche. It's um, solving a problem that I think it's not a huge one, but it's also helping a lot of people um, in the industry to give back because we have over 700 photographer and videographers that have applied, you know, just in the past year um, for our program. So, wow, um, that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. So we're matching both that and we're also matching um, the grassroots initiatives and organizations really need, media materials, photography and video in order to thrive in today's social media world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, I, as I shared with you before the call, I've been working with a foundation in South Africa, and those visual images that they use in social media are so powerful. And it's really valuable in getting your message out. Well, exactly. They help you stay connected, especially if you're abroad. Um, 
you know, what for people that have either already worked with those organizations and they want to stay connected or keep them connected or um, trying to get new donors or new volunteers on board, those pictures and videos now especially make such a big difference. Yeah, for sure. Well, one of the things that I've been talking with people around this topic of impact, of making a positive contribution, is that I believe that values are very much at the foundation of that, that we we act out of our values and the things we find important. Whether we do that consciously or not is another question, but when it becomes conscious, you can really use that as a way to uh, have more impact in the world. Uh, how do how have your values come into play in the way that you've created this organization and, and the way that you're conducting um, the day-to-day operations of it? That's actually a really important question because that is what makes Photographers Without Borders what it is. I mean, beyond what we do for photographers and grassroots initiatives, we're also doing a lot for each other and for the team. At least I, you know, I, we try our best to. Um, so for me, it's really important to foster motivation, trust, and also self-transcendence in the workplace for both the, our team and our partners. Um, so our staff are all volunteers. Uh, we have like two paid staff right now. Um, so we are run on volunteers for volunteers and that can be really challenging with the amount of projects and things that we have. Um, but I truly believe that we're able to do this because we've created an organizational culture that gives our team something to look forward to every week. Um, we had one intern who, um, you know, during one of her performance appraisals told us that, you know, you don't know this, but I've been, my mother's been, um, going through cancer and every week photographers without borders is the only thing that keeps me going. So hearing stuff like that is what, what we, you know, we strive to hear and what we, we try to create a place where people do feel like they are coming home every week because, you know, especially in the big city in Toronto, it's, um, it's very (laughs) sometimes to foster that sense of community. We were giving people the intangibles, the things that you can't necessarily get, um, in any, in any workplace and helping them fulfill personal goals that are kind of more intrinsic than extrinsic. Um, so yeah, we we're also at the same time fostering accountability, responsibility. Um, we make sure that everyone who comes on board really cares about the work that we're doing. Um, we don't want anyone who's just going to fulfill a credit or, you know, a notch on their resume. Um, everyone needs to show up and we're very, um, we're very selective when it comes to choosing our family because, you know, um, that's very important. Yeah. Well, and um, I, I, I was so struck when you said that self-transcendence is one of the things that you talk, that you value. Could you talk a little bit more about that and, and uh, explain what you mean by that and what it means for your work? For sure. So, I mean, in terms of self-transcendence, it means um, fulfilling goals that have to do with more than oneself. Um, and we all kind of have uh, this inner drive towards that. Um, for some, it's a little bit easier than others, you know, based on privilege and other things like that to kind of, kind of get there. But it's, it's not really a, I wouldn't say it's a hierarchy. It's more of a state of mind, state of being. And it's something that, you know, makes us feel whole. I feel like that's a huge issue in today's world as well. You know, there's so much demanded of us, we have so little spare time. Um, so we would try to give things like that back. We're trying to give people, um, and, and by the way, like, you know, I studied psychology, so I've been paying attention to things like, you know, work and industrial organization psychology, right. studies and things like that, that show that people who are work, work, 
people in the workplace who have a sense of mastery over their work, mm-hmm. who have a sense of autonomy, which means like, you know, control over what they're producing and who are also um, motivated, you know, motivation means um, have a drive to actually accomplish a goal. Um, so by fostering those things and by fostering like the idea of self-transcendence by giving people um uh, things to work on that are meaningful and also um, opportunities for, for growth uh, in their own lives um, is really important. So we're, we're doing things like I said, building community, building friendship and trust within the organization. Um, we're also helping everyone on the team get better at their photography craft because most people come onto the team perhaps in a marketing or social media um, capacity, but everybody does photography in our organization, almost everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do internal photography contests. Uh-huh, that's great. We also foster, uh, make sure that everyone can take a PWB workshop abroad. So everyone gets, um, an opportunity that, you know, can help foster their, their growth and hopefully change their life in some way. Yeah, that's great. And creativity as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I admire you for organizing around volunteers because it's it's not an easy matter to to do that. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm always impressed by how essential the coordination is for something like that. It's it's um, and, and the fact that you're operating globally, too, is is particularly challenging. So um what are the ways that you think that this work that you're doing, you personally and, and photographers without borders, how do you think that's impacting the larger world? I mean, you spoke a little bit about how it impacts uh, the organizations that you work with. It provides them with tools for spreading the word about what they're doing. What impact do you think that has in the, in the larger world? Well, that's another good question. Um, so, we're focused on stories that are attached to solutions. So I feel like we're doing more than just telling stories. We're also showing people what's possible and what's possible not only in the world, but also by people that look like themselves or have less privilege than themselves. So um, I really believe the ideas and the voices that we're sharing uh, could can and have led to sparks all over the globe. You know, just one tiny idea plants a seed across the world now um, with the help of the internet and, and, then you've got another something else growing, and it's just amazing how that happens. Um, of course, at the same time, we're living in an, like in a time where there's you know our, the president of the United States talking about fake news and things like that, and so it's really interesting how much information there is now, and it's not necessarily all good or um, you know promoting like a realistic worldview. And to me, realistic is is something that. Um, bodies of multiple variety of perspectives because you know some people don't have the privilege to travel as much as I do and the fact that I see so much around the world um, that is that shows how wonderful people and humanity can be that's something I think we need more of and again like the grassroots examples are, are just so much more impactful because it's a reflection of ourselves and what we can do in our own communities or around the world. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. I think that bigger worldview is so important because you recognize that things aren't exactly the same everywhere else. It's it's there are many different ways of doing things and and contributing. So that's uh, it's great to have that inspirational component as well. What in this work that you do um, and that all of us are doing around impact and making a positive contribution. It's, it's easy to get caught up in, wow, I'm so into this and I'm, 
I'm trying to do everything, um, especially early on in the development of an organization. What have you learned about what the best way is for you to use your time and energy? My my time personally is best spent creating and being. Um, I'm a very hands-on direct executive director, and also I. I just the ideas that I come up with and the partnerships I come up with, like actually being present and um, in the room with potential partners and fostering relationships personally by shooting on the ground. Um, for me, I feel like that's personally what the best use of my time is because those are the places where I can really feel the pulse of photographers without borders and understand um, what the wants and the needs are from all parties. Um, and yeah, I, I think that answers that question. Yeah. <laughs> what if what have you learned is a is not a good use of your time? What's in fact a waste of your time? I think it's hard to say anything's a waste of your time, but um, <laughs> managing the day to day responsibilities and just like the you know administration at PWB is probably not the best use of my time. Yeah, and and often it's you know there are people who are amazing at at certain things, and why not? involve other people in what you're doing and let them do things they're amazing at so you can do the things you're amazing at. So Exactly. So actually right now we're looking for an operations manager. So Yeah. Oh, great. Well, how how is your um how how do you manage your own self-care? I mean, you do a lot of traveling. You just came back from Sumatra, 12-hour time difference. How do you maintain yourself in in terms of your well-being? What are some practices that you use for that? For sure. Um, so I definitely practice yoga almost every day except on travel days. I also, right now, I'm working at um, reducing the sugar in my diet. I find that sugar is really something that um, affects me and affects the way I think. So, um, And I'm trying to you know, eat as well as possible and maintaining a vegetarian diet. Um, I, I think the ukulele lately and singing have become something that really helps me as well. Oh, that's uh, fun. And it doesn't hurt to have a good RMT. A, a good what? <laughs> Registered okay. massage therapist. Oh, okay. Right. Right. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I'm a big fan of that myself. So, um, well in the, in this work that you're doing and it's, it's so, um, global and it's really having an impact on different kinds of organizations it how do you bring that all together or how do you how do you marry that are there particular themes that you uh really want to support like conservation or um i mean are there other areas that you have a particular interest in supporting with photographers without borders uh yes so uh, conservation is a really big interest of mine. Um, it's one of the most, I think, pressing issues. Uh, we talk a lot about climate change and we talk a lot about, um, you know, saving the planet, but I don't think we talk enough about conservation. Uh, that's going to be, you know, the true test of our survival is, is seeing how much of this precious land that we can, you know, keep away from developers. Um, because, you know, I think people are misled um, by thinking that, you know, a parkette or, um, you know, patch of grass is going to give the environmental services that we need, um, yeah. with, you know, forests and mountains and lakes and swamps. Um, all of these things are providing services that we, um, we take for granted. And, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to see so much again of this planet where, um, you see places where, 
where they have natural forests and yet they're importing bottled water or that the waters are getting poisoned and just see that not, you know, not everyone can respond in an emergency situation like we can. And so we really do take these things for granted here. And that's something that I really want to bring to the forefront. Um, and I'm doing that through my own work and uh, creating a conservation area in Sumatra. It's a place that I'm very passionate about. Um, it's, uh, it's one of the most biodiverse hotspots in the world. Um, it's the only place in the world where you'll find critical, critically endangered orangutan, elephant, rhino, and tigers in the same, in the same area. So um, that's really important to me. And the other area where I'm very passionate is um, sexual assault, uh, working with sexual assault survivors and um, seeking some sort of justice in that, in that realm and just generally um, gender equality. Well, um, yeah, I mean, that is deep work and uh, quite challenging to kind of maintain your equanimity. And I've, I've worked in distress centers and, um, and I imagine that that work for you has been um, moving as well as uh, feeling like you're making a contribution there. So, yeah. Well, in, in the realm of conservation too, the um, preserving of wild spaces, that's something I feel really strongly about. And I think we need those places that aren't developed, that aren't managed in some way. Um, do you feel that way or? Absolutely. I think, the, again, the more that we can preserve, the more we can learn to live with nature, the, the better off we'll be right now and in the future. Um, you know, my dad's an astronomer, and it's just interesting seeing from his perspective, like, how little dark sky is left, even something as simple as that, you know, that the th that things like dark sky reserves even have to exist. Um you know, and that's just really interesting to me. And so in terms of conservation, when you look at maps of, you know, how much we've deforested over a certain amount of time and, and, and how many companies, you know, big companies like are chopping down rainforests every minute. Um, it's, it's really, it's difficult to fathom and it's seeing the rate that we're going at. It's very, very important to me because, um, these forests and these wild areas will also contribute to climate change, the more that we take them down, I don't think I don't think people really understand the connection between us and the planet mm -hmm. as much as we should. Yeah, well, we've become kind of detached. I mean, living in a big city, you or or even a small one, you're very much not in touch with nature, no matter how many trees are planted or how many parquets there are, as you said. Um, so, really, getting in touch with nature is uh, that, that detachment is. Uh, kind of allows people to make choices that that erodes that because we're we're no longer so much in touch with it for sure and you see that the world over i mean i was just lamenting about how in sumatra there's wild orangutan and rainforest two hours outside of the city of medan and yet a lot of young people one don't even know that there's a national park there um two probably can't afford to make those trips and three um, they're going to visit orangutans or, or animals in the zoo, which is, you know, it's a terrible, it's not, it's not a very good zoo. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't even know what a good zoo is actually. Yeah. Um, I feel the same way. <laughs> so, you know, um, just seeing how that operates the world over, um, the big city effect is really interesting. And it took, it takes me being able to travel. That's another part of my self care. Traveling is part of my self care because I need to be in wild spaces, um, you know, places where there's forest and 
where I can get away from the energy in the city. I'm very sensitive to energy. And so I feel it every time I come back to the city and it's, it's something to get used to sometimes. Yeah, it's it's interesting what we can adapt to as human beings as uh, living in a big city. I noticed that too when I, I now live in a small city. So even going to Toronto for a visit, um, it's it's like, wow, look at all the people in the buildings. And <laughs> it really has a very different energy for sure. Yeah. So uh, in this work that you're doing, it's uh, we, we all as – in our organizations, we, we run into obstacles or barriers in, in making the impact that we want to have. Could you share an example of uh, a time when you've run into an obstacle and you've been able to move through it? I always think it's valuable and inspiring for people to hear, yes, it's not just this you know relentless <laughs> uh, walk to complete success. There's always challenges that everyone faces, and it's, it's good to hear how you dealt with those. For sure. I feel like a lot of the obstacles that I felt um, are things that have to do with what I was going through personally, um, mostly. So, you know, there's been times when I felt like things would be so much easier if I were a white man, for example. And, you know, that might be true. But I also believe that um, that a lot of the things that have, have have been obstacles in my life are some things that I've uh, not created, but I've allowed to get in my way. Um, so I'm not a passive person and I, you know, I can't be inactive. So a lot of that can lead to anxiety, you know, trying to always, um, take on too much, um, and always wanting to bring yourself into alignment, but being limited by, you know, a capitalist society that we live in. So, uh, I don't know if that makes any sense, but you know, it's really important for me to remember that that's, that's hindsight. You know, you can see, you can't sometimes see the barriers, um, until you, you're past them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I've always felt like with enough hard work, uh, anything's possible to surmount. And, you know, some of the biggest challenges have come, especially from my own sexual assault experiences and trying to get through those. So I feel like, taking care of yourself, taking care of your mental health and knowing when to take a break are really important. And luckily I've had such great, a great team that, you know, when I was going through those tough times, I had people that I could rely on to, to carry forth. And so, uh, yeah, I think that the only thing you can really do is keep working hard and making sure that you're fostering the type of community that, um, you can trust and rely on. Yeah, that is so important. Um, being able to have a group around you that's supportive and and uh, can be there when you have issues that pop up. Yeah. So what what insight or advice would you share with another organizational leader, business owner who's asking how how can I positively affect things? How can I be a positive influence in the world? What would you say to them? I would say to them that to look to look at what makes them the saddest or the angriest and then see if there's, you know, an or like if you're starting from the ground zero, of course, and seeing if there's any organizations that are doing something about what you're passionate about and then maybe seeing how you can work with them. Um, if you're trying to start, you know, something on your own, if you're more of a leader and, um, you know, you want to, to break some ground, um, then same thing, you know, what makes you sad or angry and always remember that, you know, we, we need to take advice with a grain of salt. I think the most important thing I've learned is just to not necessarily listen to anyone unless you feel like there's someone that you admire and aspire to be like. And that's, that's really 
tough sometimes, you know, um, being able to follow your intuition and cultivating your intuition, I feel, um, is, it's easy to say, but you know, a little bit more difficult in practice, but that's, those are two things that are, have been really important to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're so right. Following your intuition, listening to your inner self and there's, there's real truth in that and there's real wisdom there. Yeah. So I think also just like having that understanding of what we need and figuring ourselves out, if that makes sense, before we, we move forward into, into, you know, trying to create change that will allow us to, to, to give change in the best possible, possible way and the most meaningful way. Um, and again, just back to that sense of self-transcendence, like this is something that, you know, brands are even trying to latch onto to kind of sell products using these like feel good messages that um, appeal to that side of us um, because we are addicted to feeling good. But um, there's also other ways for people to to feel good before, that are longer term, um, you know, by fostering those intrinsic values that I talked about earlier. So I think that that's important for anyone who's trying to make change to understand that sometimes, you know, um, we try to try to do do good and then we end up fostering those extrinsic material interests that are just contributing to the problem at large. So being careful about that, I think, is an important message I'd like to carry forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Danielle, I so appreciate you sharing that from your own experience and um, really looking at how you're how you and this organization that you head up photographers without, without borders, how, it, how it's evolved, how you're really making a difference and certainly in the area of conservation and in other initiatives around the world. It's, it's really powerful to hear about. And I, I so appreciated hearing about this aspect of self-transcendence that comes into play in the work that you're doing. Um, I think that is so important. So thank you again for sharing your experiences and, uh, and talking with me today. Thank you so much for talking with me. So if people want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? So the best way to get in touch with me would be through photographerswithoutborders.org. Uh, there's a contact se section there. Or uh, personally, uh, through my website, danielledasilva.com. Great. Well, thank you again, Danielle. I really appreciate the work you're doing in the world and uh, appreciate you, you being here with us. Thank you for having me. Join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. Thank you to everyone listening for being here. Until next time, to keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact, join our community of entrepreneurs like you by entering your name and email at workalchemy.com. <music>